Ring, ring with Renny Revis. Hello and welcome to the show. We've got someone very special with us today. Someone you may or may not know. But don't worry, we'll explain all the inside jokes. Just sit back and enjoy the voyeurism, folks. It's Ring, Ring with Renny Revis. Hey, everyone. We're at the end of Season 2. Thank you for listening. I hope it made you laugh. Maybe you learned something new. Maybe you discovered the worst song to strip to. Perhaps you've identified your region's native Andy Dick species. You've helped me by listening. I hope it's helped you. If you dig the show, please consider writing a review. You don't even have to do the required listening. Pull at me in high school, whose book report on the old man and the sea was simply an old man goes fishing and finds out he is Jesus. A's for everyone! Today's guest is crooning comedian Kristen Key. This total pro has five full-length comedy albums, as well as a comedy music album. Staying home hasn't slowed her down. She hosts her part talk show, part game show podcast, Kristen Knows Blank, and performs on her social media for Mad Mondays and Friday Live at Five, a live comedy sing-along show. Check out her upcoming show, B and Key, Half Birthday Show, from Nowhere Comedy, through Eventbrite, on March 22nd with Jarrett Berenstein. I first saw her on Last Comic Standing as a very young, unique female competitor, and I remember specifically feeling inspired. We met doing a show. She sang about drunk people losing shoes, and we both agreed Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music was hot. You get it. Her hairstyle was practically an undercut. What's the 411? Here's some info that'll help eavesdroppers better understand our conversation. Big Bear Lake in the California San Bernardino Mountains is a popular, pine-scented retreat from city life. I personally enjoy relaxing by the lake where giant bass leap out of the water and feel conflicted about calling this activity white trash whale watching. A man who died in Placer County, California, tested positive for COVID-19 after returning from a cruise on the Grand Princess. This was the first confirmed death attributed to COVID in California at the time. The ship was en route to return early to San Francisco after it was determined someone in Sonoma County tested positive after a cruise on that same ship. By order of the CDC, passengers were quarantined in their rooms on the ship. The U.S. Coast Guard airlifted supplies and tests. They were at sea until March 9th when the ship docked at the Port of Oakland, with passengers transferred to quarantine facilities and the crew remaining on board. In looking for maritime terms I could use to pun up this episode, I discovered the phrase a clean bill of health originates from certificates signed by a port authority attesting that no contagious diseases infected crew at the time of sailing. I have no puns for you, just the relevant, literal discovery that the Grand Princess did not have a clean bill of health. Texas Senator Ted Cruz flew to the Ritz-Carlton in Cancun with his family during the state's power crisis. Text messages from Mrs. Cruz revealed that the trip was hastily planned and that their house was, quote, freezing. Ted needed no help warming up when he could have just tweeted at AOC like he always does to get hot and bothered. It was likely that the Titanic was traveling at full speed because stokers shoveled as much coal as possible into the furnaces to fight the active fire in the coal bin. Thank goodness they fought that fire. Or something bad might have happened to the Titanic.
Cool, Kristen, is that you with your AirPods? That is me with my AirPods. Damn, what's it like? It's fantastic. Maybe one day I'll be cool like you. How you doing? I'm doing good. I cannot recommend them highly enough. I use my AirPods probably more than any other possession I own. Huh. Do you get sad in the shower? <laughs> no, I realize I'm either always listening to something or always on a Zoom, and so they're always in my ears. At night, do you have, like, a little cozy? <laughs> they have a little house that they live in. I do put them to bed at night, yeah. <laughs> Cute little tiny beds, maybe bunk beds. They're side by side. I think they're twins. Oh, okay. They have to be on equal ground. Yeah, it's important that you treat them fairly so one of them doesn't feel left out. <laughs> the top bunk kid is always the alpha. Oh, really? Oh, my God. It's summer camp. I was a bottom bunk kid because I never wanted to fall out. <laughs> yeah, well, you were the safe one. I think alpha goes hand in hand with danger. Yeah, I definitely wasn't the <laughs> alpha then. There's not a dangerous bone in my body anymore. Maybe in my 20s. <laughs> Predictable and safe. Those are my most thrilling adjectives. That's me these days. I just crochet, sip hot tea, and, you know, that's it. That's me. Mm -mm. You chill the hardest. How was Big Bear? I do. Big Bear was pretty good. It was very chill. I feel like we just packed our stuff and did exactly what we do at home somewhere else. <laughs> That's about right. That's a pandemic trip. I even took the Instant Pot because I was like, I don't trust that the kitchen's going to have everything I need to cook in. So I'll just bring my own <laughs> kitchen, too. So I brought my Instant Pot and all of our own food. And it was like, okay, yeah, this is just like if we lived in a cabin with all of our same things. <laughs> in case you get homesick, you can have the sounds of neighbors fighting. Let me think. What else would enhance the we're at home but not really environment? Oh, I'm going to take out the trash on Tuesdays. It's really important. Uh <laughs> I still got to do my podcast and my shows. Oh, that's the thing. While we were there, we were relaxing. Mm -hmm. She's like, what do you want to do to relax? I was like, well, I got to edit this video. I need to book a guest for my podcast. She's like, we're relaxing. I was like, that's how I relax. <laughs> Look, we can look out the window at the sunset while I normalize this audio. How's that? Basically, I was like, I'm going to edit this video and then I'm going to move on to the next. With the pandemic, I don't feel like it ever really leaves. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. going to get out of town. So when we got the big girls, like, oh, but yeah, we still don't go in places and we still don't eat in restaurants. So it's like, oh, I yeah. see. Okay. So it's not really a vacation. Like, more than anything, it made me appreciate home. And we both got home. We were like, home safe. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I think we might both be a little agoraphobic now. <laughs> Never leave home. I ordered a T-shirt the other day. And Molly was like, you know, you could pick it up from Old Navy. They have free pickup. I was like, yeah, but then I'd have to go there. She's like, it's five yeah. minutes. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to leave. The front porch is lava. That's <laughs> great. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, I'm not um, leaving. I'm staying put. The sidewalks are lava if you pick up food at a restaurant. I did that the other night. Oh, my God. People are just laughing and sipping and swapping Rona. Oh, yeah. Packed on the sidewalks. I think there's two kinds of people right now. The people that either they have someone that's high risk or it's like this pandemic is still a global pandemic and then other people are just like you know what i had it or someone in my house had it it wasn't that bad we're fine we're mm -hmm. just gonna go with it and if i get it i get it and so my wife has got severe asthma so we're like no we've just made a decision we're not gonna get it mm -hmm. yeah we'll go out for a walk and like a whole pack of kids will be walking towards us without masks on. We're like, cross the street, Ooh. cross, cross the street. It's like the floor is lava and frogger every time you go out. A little bit. But you know what? To each his own. I don't fault anybody else for being a little relaxed about it. Because if you're not high risk, if you did have it, your whole family's like, oh, we already recovered from it. Then why be on lockdown? Texas just lifted their mask mandate. And I totally wish they hadn't. Or like, oh, yeah. there are still elderly people. There are still, you know, people that cannot get the vaccine. Still a lot of people yeah. that are vulnerable. A lot of people looking at their calendar and it says March and then they can flip back to March of last year and they've been quarantined the whole time. Like, oh, March again. Uh, I can use the same calendar from last year. That's me. Yeah. In fact, let's see. Today's the second. When we hit the 10th, 
March 10th was when I went from the Grand Princess cruise ship to a military base quarantine. So it's like right now, last year, I was still on a cruise ship coming back from Hawaii. And around right now is when we discovered that there had been COVID on the ship the week before. Mm -hmm. So now it's like when things started getting real. And what, eight days from now, last year, that's when they were telling us, you know, don't panic. We're going to cut this trip a little short. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to go to our last stop in Ensenada. We're just going to go ahead and go back to San Francisco. Maybe disembark a little early. And we were like, okay, I'll be home a little early. I get it. We did know yeah. what it was. But I guess because they were being so cool about it, we were like, we're going to be fine. Let's go to the buffet. Oh we're circuit to close it. So let's go to the buffet. And then, you know, what yeah. happened happened. Yeah. Kristen, you were in the beginning of the horror movie where the cool yes. cruise director with their AirPods telling everybody we're good. Don't worry. Yeah. It was strange because working on cruise ships, I had heard about the Diamond Princess mm. in Asia. And oh, yeah. I heard about that because the cruise ship comedian left his quarantine to go play a gig. And we were all in the messages like, would you have stayed or would you go? And it's like, oh, he had a corporate gig. I think it was like a suicide awareness corporate gig. And he wanted to do oh, it for no. a couple of reasons. So, you know, it was a good oh, no. cause. And also he got a good paycheck out of it. But then he got blacklisted by that cruise company. And so it was like, okay, so if you get in that position, don't break quarantine or whatever. And we're kind of laughing about it, not thinking any of us would get caught on a COVID yeah. ship. And then the very next what ship if? is mine. Unbelievable. So, yeah. This what if conversation becoming your fear slash reality. I don't even know if we knew to be afraid of it yet. There was such little known about it. Yeah. The only thing that we were finding out was how contagious it was. That's what was coming out of China was that it was unbelievably contagious. So to be in close quarters together would be like the worst case scenario. And then, you know, of course, we're on the ship and they won't let us off because now we're all the outbreak monkeys. But going through it, it wasn't as bad. All my friends were like, oh, my God, are you okay?" I was like, yes, I'm fine. I'm a road comic. I'm used to being in hotel rooms for longer than you should be. A lot of, yeah, I mean, I'm used to having a lot of free time on my hands and having plans shift. Like I had a gig a few years ago in Indiana where mm-hmm. I tried to change my flight. They would say like, the storm is coming. And <laughs> like, I live in California, but I grew up in Texas, but I just didn't know when they were like, the storm is coming. It really came and it dropped a blizzard on the Saturday night. And I was mm. supposed to fly out on the Sunday and it was dropping like an inch per hour. And then suddenly people can't get in or out of the hotel even. And like <laughs> the hotel front test lady's husband is just dropping off sandwiches and beer. And I got stuck there for a few yeah. days. And so it's like, as a traveling comedian, those things just happen. That wasn't the first time that a trip has just taken a left turn. It sounds like the road comic on the sea experience. Basically, the only difference was usually if something goes wrong on a road gig, it just happens to you and the world goes on business as usual. And this time, as it's happening to me, I'm watching the rest of the U.S. have COVID spread through it in the two weeks that I'm quarantined. So it's like I'm not going home to the same world I left. You know, I left a pre-COVID world and I came home to lock down empty grocery stores like apocalypse. Like you went through a portal on your ship. Like, whoa, Bermuda Triangle. Not as cool as Bermuda, but some kind of lame triangle. It's a good band too, by the way, Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) Just coming up with a lame band triangle to go through. Uh, (laughs) Disturbed. You went through the disturbed triangle. Really unfortunate. Now, Kristen, I can't remember. I'm so sorry. Did you get COVID on the ship? No, I got tested when we got to the military base, but I never got my results back ever. Pretty sure I didn't have COVID, but there's no way to really know because the U.S. government really was a shit show at that time. There was zero plan in place for what happens if a pandemic hits. And we saw that firsthand being on a ship that literally couldn't port because they did not know what to do with this. It was one of the most frustrating moments 
of my life. I'm not a Trump supporter, but at that time okay. it was like, oh, now I just hate this man because it got real personal. I talked to people who were like, hey, I don't really have a dog in this fight. I'm just voting for him because I want to see what will happen. And then to be on a ship and then hear your president say, if it were up to me, I'd just leave them out there. That was really, really personal. I'm not the only person on that ship. There are people that voted for him on that ship. You know, right, they're right. all of us. He basically said, it was up to me, I'd leave them out there. I don't want them to come home and my numbers double. And I put out a tweet that said, you know, we're only people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... did you want to point at the Trump supporters and say, you know, he's talking to you, right? On this boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're allowed to do whatever. I've got a lot of family members that are Trump supporters. So, wow. I mean, forever, though, I've got lots of family that we disagree with politically. And I've always <laughs> kind of maintained that it is OK to have your beliefs, to vote however you want. But at that moment, I was entitled to be angry for me, you know, and that's it. I know that on social media and stuff, it seems so easy to just be like, well, I just lost that friend. For Mm -hmm. me, if you post a bunch of hate Mm -hmm. and bullshit, yeah, okay, I'll unfriend you. But if it's just because you voted for Trump, no. I mean, come on. Although I noticed when I go through and weed out people, someone's like, oh, I tried to friend you, but you already have 5,000 friends. I'm like, oh, let me go find a crazy Trump supporter. (laughs) They have to be like crazy and not related to me is the two criteria. It's like, oh, you have to be crazy. You have to be spelling nonsense. And you're not directly related to me because they get to say anyway. (laughs) Oh, I can unfriend. No, that's my aunt. (laughs) Oh, no. You should have some kind of search function with weird capitalizations and phrases. Yeah. The libs, stuff like that. There's some people that are open to a conversation and somewhere, if they shut it down for you, you know, there's no talking to some people. Oh, yeah. I typically don't talk politics with people that we're not like-minded politically because I really don't feel like we're going to change each other's minds. And if we were going to change each other's minds, it would be more through that kind of respect than through uh, a debate because I don't think anyone ever wins a political debate. It just seems like a flexing of ego more than anything So when people are more inclined to say, oh, you know, it's your right to have those feelings that I feel like I'll listen to you more because I know that there is a side on both sides that has not everybody's just a fucking idiot, you know, Mm -hmm. even though both sides think that the other side is just full of fucking idiots. We can't all be fucking idiots. There has to be some truth to what we Mm -hmm. believe, you know, and we'll never hear it if we're just telling each other how stupid and wrong we are. You're entitled to your stupid opinions. Basically. If you start from there, it's not going to go anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like a kid when you make them fake apologize. Go tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry your stupid feelings were hurt. Mea culpa. I am full of sorrow. Interesting, the background you come from and then... All this bad news from Texas. I was like, what can I ask Kristen about? Maybe this I should all avoid here. Oh, I don't live there anymore. Yeah, we can talk about Texas. (laughs) I thought maybe with the power outages and blizzard, maybe someone in your family was affected. I mean, I had friends, several people lost power, but my friends in San Antonio actually lost power and water for a while and were staying in a tent in the middle of their living room with a toddler and a new baby. So that was probably Mm. the most extreme case that I had in my immediate circle. And then, yeah, my parents are in Oklahoma now, so they were fine. They had the fireplace going the whole time and buckets of snow outside. They were happy as they could be. And my brother, who lives in Texas, just happened to be on a long trip to Hawaii. So it's like, well, if you could pick a better time to leave Texas, (laughs) you know, he got out before the snow really started coming down. Thankfully, all my people were good. Yeah. Maybe your brother was on Ted Cruz's group chat. Oh, right. Sneaking out to Cancun. That didn't go well for him at all. No. (laughs) When you got a bad look and it's that bad. There are so (laughs) many good memes about it, though. I love the one of him and cornrows. Oh, man. And uh, the cruise beads. (laughs) Did you ever get your hair cornrowed on a cruise? No, never did. 
When you were on this cruise one year ago, did anyone try to hold on to a sense of normalcy and keep the evening dinners with the nice collared shirt? Or was it all pandemonium in terms of the routine? Well, what happened was everything was business as usual until we found out about the COVID. And then it was like little by little, we lost privileges for Mm -hmm. safety. There were no real CDC guidelines on COVID yet. And so the first time I heard social distancing was on that ship. And it was like a day and a half in to the COVID scare. So first it was, we're just going to cut the trip short. That was the first announcement. The next morning we got another announcement. (laughs) This is the one that made me laugh. (laughs) It was a deal or no deal was being canceled. Oh my Wait, God. What? This is a big freaking deal because on the Game ship, show. the ships all play it. There's an audience member that plays and then they can win some cash money oh, and everybody plays. On the cruise, you had a deal or no deal set up. If you've ever been on a cruise ship, yes. There's always a deal or no deal. There's always like a dance competition and they made oh, the announcement. Okay. The dance competition was canceled that night. That's when we started realizing this is serious. Like you don't ever cancel guest entertainment. And then when the buffet went down, okay, this is your last meal at the buffet, we were like, oh, my God, like, we're all going to die. We're going to die. Yeah, I know. A ship without a buffet. You know, what's the point? And then oh the next God. announcement was, at this time, when you go to your cabin, you stay there. And then yeah. no one could leave their cabin, and then all the meals were delivered. So the only sense of normalcy that people had was from the ship TVs still had movies and TV and you could still watch the news. And that's probably the worst because we're not getting any information from the captain because he doesn't have it. And then we start seeing our ship. You know, I was watching MSNBC because I like seeing Rachel Maddow because sometimes she's the only other lesbian on the ship beside me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You need your fix. But we watch the news and our ship is now the news cycle. You know, it's the only thing that they're airing. So it's like, oh, we are the news today. This is not how I wanted to be discussed with Rachel Maddow. I mean, no ideal. No. God. Strange it's been a year now. That's weird. Wild. When I think of a cruise buffet, I think of, you know, scraping the garnishes, taking all the good fruit, and you had to have your food delivered to your rooms. I'm thinking of how different your plate looks when someone makes it for you as opposed to free-range cruise buffet. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, that was a passenger's perspective. Like when you a guest entertainer, half the time you're listed as passenger and half the time you're listed as crew. And in this Mm. case, I was on the crew manifest, so I was actually in a crew cabin. Wow, like In the guest entertainer hallway. The cabins are fine. Like, I've had a really fancy cabin on ships. It's not fancy. But it's fine. There's a bed, there's a desk, there's an armoire, yeah. there's a porthole. I've had uh-huh. worse. At least there's a portal, you know. But the good news was when all the passengers were confined, since I'm still in the crew area, I'm just not patrolled at all. So mm. I can't go to any of the guest areas that I would wander around. Everything is still shut down, but I can still go everywhere the crew goes. And part of that was the mm. crew mess, which is where you would eat. And so I got to eat with the officers in the officer's dining room, which was okay. a much higher exposure. But considering you can't really leave the ship, it was nice for me to just get to like smile at people in the hallway and knowing that passengers couldn't do that. It was just a privilege of, you know, getting to see somebody. Feeling like Kate Winslet up there with Leonardo. Not exactly. No, not at all. (laughs) Not one bit. You mean you didn't get betrothed? Nope. (laughs) And I mean, I've been a Titanic buff for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I did last comic standing, they put us on the Queen Mary. Uh, I think it was a sister ship to the Titanic. They were around the same size and built in the same era. That's what they say. I've never seen or heard when I've been on that ship a lot. But Titanic, crazy. Oh, my God. There's, like, new data on the Titanic that part of what led to it sinking was that there was a fire in the coal bin ah. was like the entire time they were sailing. Oh, no. Yeah, instead of putting the fire out, 
they were like, no, 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 just keep going. And the shipbuilder had built with such cheap steel that the fire heated the steel to such a point that when they did hit the iceberg, it made it buckle instead of hold. So actually, there were so many issues with that voyage. And I'm thinking, with all that being known, like, why did James Cameron pick the stupid story he picked? Because I would like to see a whole movie about the ship that's been on fire the whole time. Yes, I want to see that movie. I want to see the angry, disgruntled... What was it? The hull that was on fire? The coal bin. It was a coal-powered ship. Oh, yeah. So they were burning coal for fuel, and the coal caught fire before they left port. And they didn't stop to put out the fire. They're just like, we'll get it while we're en route. And that's not how coal works. And so (laughs) the coal just kept burning and heating the metal in the watertight like bulkheads on the other side of the boiler room. And so it caused that metal to be superheated. And that's why when it did hit the iceberg, it was supposed to hold. But all those factors together. I don't care about their burning love. I care about the burning bin. I want to see that too. There's the tagline. There you go. Well, now it's a Hallmark movie. (laughs) The guy down there covered in coal soot. He's a scrappy puppy dog, good looking guy. In the movie, they were Irish. So maybe he's Irish. Yeah. He's Irish. He has a flat cap. Yeah. Okay. He portents doom, but with a gleam in his eye. I didn't think I'd learned something new about the Titanic today. Thank you. When did they find this new information? That I don't know. I just read about it on an article that popped up my phone a while ago, and I like Titanic stuff, but there's mm-hmm. actually like a paper trail of it. It's a fun nice. little rabbit hole. It's always fun to find new things about an old significant event. 1912 <laughs> was just a difficult year for a lot of people. <laughs> your algorithm's on top of it. Good job. My algorithm popped up on your phone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife and I have totally different Facebook feeds because of the things we like. And I think mine's too political because if I go on my wife's phone, it's just dogs and babies. I'm like, oh, how do I get my phone to be dogs and babies? She's like, you like too many people's angry political rants. I'm like, ah, oh, damn. I gotta just like dogs and babies and my feed will be better. <laughs> just hand Molly your phone for a few days and see. Yeah. Well, my friends in Philadelphia, two lady gays, one of them is super into hip hop. So her TikTok is like all hip hop and her wife yeah. is all lesbian TikTok. And I was like, what the hell is lesbian TikTok? She was like, go on and watch lesbian TikTok. And now it's like, I don't know anything anymore. I'm completely confused about life as we know it since I saw lesbian TikTok. What? What is this? Like, like, who am I? I don't think I fit into <laughs> lesbians anymore. What have we become? Do I have to shave a notch in my eyebrow? You need to point a lot and wink. There's a lot of pointing at words. I've heard lesbian TikTok is a very fun place. I don't know. I think I'm too old for it. I just see a lot of interesting people with good haircuts just hanging on doors. Very good hair. Yeah, it's a good hair game, but then just a lot of really gay lesbians. <laughs> Being gay and kind of Justin Bieber-y. Yeah, it's so aesthetic, though. I don't know. Are there any big lesbian TikTokers that are more, you know, plain Jane? I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's somebody for everybody. <laughs> Every week and a half, I'm like, I'm too old for TikTok. I'm putting it down. None of this makes to me anymore and then I'll pick it back up and be like all right I'm gonna try again I'll see the trends that are happening I'm like I don't get it <laughs> and I feel like an old lady because old lady words come out of my mouth I'm like this is nonsense this is all nonsense yeah. I'll get on to something else I get that you need to recover mm-hmm. from feeling old I think that is what age is <laughs> I have stuff to do you know and TikTok is for people that don't have a lot to do and so they do a lot on TikTok you know it takes yes. quite a bit to keep up a TikTok game I got a lady that I know. We went mm-hmm. to a quilt retreat together. Oh, what quilt retreat? To quilt retreat. Oh, okay. I'm an onion. Anyway, so I'm at a quilt retreat. And this lady's there, and she's a crochet. I also crochet, but I didn't at the time. Anyway, she's crochet, and I got to know her. And then, I don't know, we just started following each other on social media. And this last year, she started TikToking. I'm like, ah, oh, who's going to, I mean, not like in a mean way, but just like she's just a lady from Oklahoma. Yeah. 
and now she has this huge TikTok presence and all she does is laugh at other people's videos because she has this fantastic, raspy, wheezy laugh. And the next thing you know, she exploded on TikTok. She's just like the wheezy laugh. Oh, crazy. It's wonderful. You couldn't have labeled her with something that sounds more like too old for TikTok than quilt retreat lady. I think um, that's the coolest thing about her. Yeah, I'm hopeful now. Oh, yeah. I think maybe that's what TikToking in the social media world is giving us. It's like there's a place for everybody, you know, because when I was growing up, I was like, oh, no, that's dorky or that's not cool. It's like, well, there's kind of room for everybody now. There is a corner for crafters. There are the knitters of TikTok. You know, there's a whole crocheting area yeah. There's for people that dance, for people that don't dance, for people that have body issues, just yeah. for people to go on them with weight loss journeys, you know. Right. And all of those individuals are uplifted rather than times where you share like an underground magazine you have to mail order. You don't have to hide your, <laughs> right, your eccentricities. Yeah, they're absolutely celebrated. And the only thing I noticed was, this is my kind of mantra of the internet, if I put hate out on the internet, I'm going to get it mm-hmm. back. I posted something and Rush Limbaugh died. That was just like, you know, kind of like a good. And then I just noticed that it invited more hate that I'm used to getting. And so I took it down. I do kind of feel that way. But I don't know that that's what I need to be putting out in the world. You know, I put the hate out there. I'm welcoming it back. And if I put more positivity out, I tend to get a lot more positivity back. Yeah. It's also tough because your brand is so fun. Joyful. Yeah. My middle name is Joy. And I feel like that's like a... It is. And I feel like if you have a purpose in this world, that's my purpose is to bring joy, spread joy. I like to talk about cats. I like to play music. And yeah, I like social awareness very much. And if I can sneak that in, great. But I have to check myself sometimes because sometimes I do want to get, you know, a laugh at someone's expense. And then I have to remind myself, no, you know, of course you can get a laugh that way. That's the easiest way to get a laugh is to victimize someone else, even if they're wrong. But that's not the kind of laugh that makes me feel good. That's the funny mind. Your brain is always trying to find the joke. And sometimes it's in a way that doesn't sit well with you. I think 20 years in stand-up comedy, just because I find a punchline, that doesn't mean it's the only punchline. I think when I started, it was like, here's a punchline. Okay, now I have a joke. Next. It's like, no, that wasn't the right punchline. You know, Mm -hmm. keep looking. Or like, you know, just because that joke is funny doesn't mean that there's not another joke that's funny. If that joke doesn't represent me, I had a ton of jokes about like dating guys and blowjobs and smoking weed because I thought that's what people wanted Mm -hmm. to hear about, you know, but now that's not who I am. I barely swear on stage anymore just because I'm not out to impress Mm -hmm. anybody anymore with my language, you know, I'm a lot more comfortable talking about crocheting than I am, you know, saying fucking shit. Intimidating to get on a stage and make a bunch of bros laugh. That is an instinct a lot of us have had the first time we get on a stage with a mic, like, guys, you know what you like, (laughs) this subject, right? But now it's like, F it, or expletive of choice. Nah, this is what I think is funny. Right. This is what I think is funny. It's like, can I build an audience off of what my art form truly is and not just like can I play to any audience it's no let me bring my material and let's see if the audience will come or maybe mm-hmm. the same audience would still like these jokes you know but it's like I'm not going to change my set because the room is super drunk and broy. Yeah. you won't get the C average grade where everyone thinks you're fine you'll find people who love you because right. they connect with what you're saying I adore your comedy you know I'm one of those people who say yep her yes I love all of this that's cool your authentic self is going to click with the ones who like it that's who you're there for right right comedy is so subjective I don't know that any comedian can get you know everybody I don't no. know if that should ever be the goal but again <laughs> no. 20 years of stand-up experience 
It's really not about the audience. Someone help me figure this out. My job is just to take my jokes on stage and tell them the way that I want them told. Once I'm done with that, my job is not to be the comedy critic. My job is to be Mm -hmm. the comedian. Let the audience be the critic. Let the jokes fall however they may. And let them be received, but not try to like, I got to change how the audience perceives this. That's not my job. My job is to Mm -hmm. tell the jokes that I think are funny. If I think it's funny, I keep telling it. Yeah, you must see all kinds of crowds touring and being on cruise ships there's got to be types right like the cruise crowd certain times like the late night show early show yeah i started in a small town comedy club in amarillo texas and it's a completely different crowd than i play now you know Mm because that was rowdy there's going to be hecklers and like rapid fire comedy there's not room for silence you know, and then the crowds on the road when I was in my 20s, which is like these bar gigs, these one-nighters, and I was hammered, and they were hammered, and the more they oh, talk yeah. about sex, and the more you swear, the more they're going to like you, and then now I work clean the majority of the time, and oh. I'll play these woo, cruise ships where the average age is mid-70s, and sometimes people just get up in the middle of my set and leave, and I have to remember yeah. it. You know, it's not always because they don't like me. It's not always because they don't like gay people. Sometimes it's just because they remembered that the buffet has pie. Sure. You never know. And I've left guest entertainers, friends of mine that are musicians and stuff on ships. I'll go, I'll watch like 20, 30 minutes of their show. And then I'm like, oh, I want to hit the buffet. And I'll just get up and mm-hmm. leave and go eat and maybe come back, but maybe not. But it's not about them, you know. And that's yeah. I think as a performer, I got to remember, it's not about me. If I really take it seriously and learn and practice my craft, it's going to be good. You know, not everybody's going to like it, but my job is to just do it well. Yeah. You know what helped me with solidifying that idea is having worked catering at a wedding once. You're just absolutely not who they're there for, but you're helping. You're helping the situation just because they don't give you a lot of eye contact and do a little dance for you. It doesn't mean you're not appreciated. Right. You just might not get a lot of. Not confirmation. Validation, maybe? Validation. Ah, you got it. It must be all those Mad Libs you do, thinking of all those words. (laughs) That's a good point, though. The caterer at the wedding, it is not about you today. (laughs) It's not about the caterer. This is not your day, caterer. No. But you're just as insignificant as, like, the aunt of the bride. You're all serving a purpose. But it ain't about you at all. Nobody cares about the bride's aunt or the guy serving the chicken. (laughs) No. A woman came up to me with garbage, and she said, can you throw this away for me? And she put it in my hand. (laughs) This is it. This is my zenith moment here. Somebody putting garbage in my hand (laughs) without asking. Yep. That's the comic I strive to be, the one that people put garbage in their hands. Oh, my God. Well, worse things could befall you. Yeah. You're the helper. Fred Rogers said we need to look for the helpers. We need to look for the caterers or the cruise (laughs) comics. No, it's not about us. You say to the bride, this is your day. Congratulations. Ah, If someone comes up and says thanks afterwards, it's not about me. It's about their vacation. They're there. (laughs) I mean, I may not be remembered. Some people do. Some people send emails later. It's like, I saw you on the whatever princess ship. That's nice. (laughs) If I was on a vacation with my parents and we saw an entertainer, I would never think of them again. Maybe I would. Who knows? (laughs) Depends on who we saw. I've been to Branson a lot, but I don't remember who we saw in Branson. Right. I don't remember River Dancer number three at the Bobby Benton Theater in Branson, Missouri. (laughs) Okay, well, let's revise then. Fred Rogers doesn't want us to look for River Dancer number three. Just appreciate them. Yeah, look for the helpers, be a helper, I think is a good thing to be. And tip the helper if uh, they've done three shows in one night and there's a jar. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, it never hurts to tip somebody. (laughs) 
if you're back home now and doing well, I hope you and Molly are a little refreshed from the change of indoor scenery to other indoor scenery. Yes, all is good here. It's weird. We moved at the beginning of the pandemic, like June of last year. Mm -hmm. We've been in the same place for a long time. What a great time to sell the house and move. And then it's funny. I had everything I needed. The world went completely online. I was like, oh, my God, I have a green screen. I'll just use this green screen. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll just start doing a show because I have the microphone. I got the green screen. I happen to have a ring light. And all these things were just like (laughs) in a closet gathering dust because I didn't do that much. And so I was like, I'm going to bring all this stuff out since I can't do shows right now. I'm going to do some online stuff. And then the next thing you know, I've got a Friday live show that I do every week. I've got a podcast up. I've got, yeah, you're all over. It was just a way to cope with not doing shows every week to give me that sensation of performing. So it's been really, really nice to get to have all this time to creatively do stuff. You know, I've written Mm -hmm. a ton of songs. I don't know what the hell I'll ever do with them, but it's like nice to have them. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. If you're nostalgic for the road, we can fake a blizzard. (laughs) People that I know that complain, like, I just can't wait for the world to reopen. It's like, it's fine. And I know that it will. Things aren't terrible for me, and I'm blessed that way. I know a lot of people, you know, struggle a lot more than we have, and so we're very fortunate. But I know that the mm. world will get to a place where I will travel again. Oh, sure. I'll probably be in another cruise ship not too long from now. Yeah. So I, I think it makes it easier to go, you know, when in my entire lifetime will I ever, ever have this experience of being at home this long, uninterrupted. And so I'm going to try yeah. to enjoy it for years. I never unpacked my toiletries, ever. And so for right. the last almost 12 months now, I've had a bathroom drawer that I've never had. Wow. That's what life is like on the other side. Yeah. Like, I'm usually home for about two, two and a half weeks at a time at the most. That's how things were, you know? It's time enough at last, but your glasses at the end of the episode don't break. Mm Mm-hmm. I can't actually read a lot. Okay. (laughs) Any word on Molly being able to get the vaccine soon because of her asthmatic condition? So far, no. Both of us have looked on the website to see when we're up, and so far it's just like, not eligible, we'll text you. So when it happens, Uh, it'll happen. Seems to be doing a pretty good job. All my friends in Texas have had at least one dose, if not two, and it, my friend just told me right now they're down to 600 cases in the entire panhandle, so hey, that's great. That's good. I texted her back. I was like, oh, cool. We have like 25,000 in L.A. County. Right. Whatever. <laughs> it's nice that they got it under control there. We have way more vaccines coming in. Hopefully, we'll get closer to that. Oh, yeah. People just cutting in line or showing up or lying. You know what? I'm treating it exactly like when a plane lands, and then there's people that like to stand up and stand in the aisle. There's mm. people that want to jump and rush off first. You know what? We're all going to get there. So <laughs> I'm cool to sit here and kind of wait until everybody clears the plane. I'll get off the plane, <laughs> but I'm not going to like, and if you want to jump mm. up, jump over over people do it <laughs> whatever fine but i'm cool i'll wait till it's my turn yeah and just push the gas to the red light you go i'll meet you at the red yeah well i hope they don't ghost us and they text us back about vaccine availability i mm-hmm. think it'll all work out yeah my biggest problems right now are like trying to figure out what's for dinner every night not the vaccine <laughs> Do you like to cook? I cook three meals a day, yeah. Yeah, I do. But yeah, trying to find inventive, creative new dinners. Man, we can't help it. Like once every week or so we have tacos because, you know, they're easy to make and was taco night, you know. I think for a while my wife was getting a little sick of tacos. She was like, you can't have tacos yourself. And I was like, how about nachos? (laughs) We've had to mix it up a little bit. The often overlooked pandemic casualty, Taco Tuesday, RIP. Too many Tuesdays. A lot of Tuesdays. (laughs) Any interesting masks with all of your knitting and crocheting skills? I have. crochet. Just crochet. I crochet a quilt. I sew. But yeah, I started sewing masks last year and uh, I made a bunch of baby Yoda masks. So now I have a whole line of Baby Yoda and then superhero masks on my Etsy shop. 
So that's been fun. I started at the beginning of the quarantine. My friend Debbie Gutierrez, mm-hmm. a very yeah, funny, yeah, she's a great comedian. Mm-hmm. But we worked Brad Garrett's room. Oh, cool. We both worked there, you know, and she'd always been really supportive of me. But she works hand in hand with Brad on this charity called Maximum Hope Foundation, which mm-hmm. provides funding for like hospice care for children. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. It's a fantastic charity. Anyway, she sent me a message at the beginning of the pandemic saying, do you know anybody that sews? And I was like, oh my God, I do. I sew. I'm not doing anything right now. She's like, cool. Can you sew some masks for the big children's hospital? And I was like, fuck yeah, I can. So I made a whole bunch of masks then. And then once I'd made as many masks as I thought I could make, a month or so later, I opened an Etsy shop and started making some for the general public. That was a fun way to start. I'd make little superhero masks for the kids, the ones with the Avengers on them and stuff. Look at you. That's so kind and cool. Plus, they didn't have a lot in kids' sizes at the time, you know. And it was right when everybody was starting to have to wear them. And you couldn't get masks anywhere. Remember back in the beginning when there just wasn't. For some reason, we bought some right before I left them at last cruise because we both had this, like, well, what if we do end up getting COVID? Let's just get the mask to be safe. You don't know. And then we'd talk, and I'd call from Hawaii on that trip. I'd be like, you know, when you go to the store, just get extra toilet paper. We don't know. You know right. What if I come home with it, you know, and I have to quarantine or something? And so we had kind of little by little stockpiled a bit before I left on that cruise, and then we both Ooh. had masks. We started a little ahead of the curve, thank God. Oh, my gosh. Well, you would look great with a bra on your face, I imagine. Oh. But the mask was more comfortable. Much I'm more sure. comfortable and fitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the baby Yoda and the superheroes, I think you've got your pulse on the youth, the TikTok. Is that what kids are into? That's what I'm into. <laughs> Did you send some to your nephew? Yes. My nephews both got masks. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool aunt energy. That's what you got. That's nice. <laughs> Is there anything coming up that you're looking forward to? These days, I always look forward to Fridays because I got my yeah. Friday Live at 5. I just got an audience in the last couple of weeks. So that's really fun. And then I've got a show on March 23rd. It's Jarrett Berenstein's birthday. We call it the half birthday show because it'll be like my half birthday and his actual birthday. And so I'm going to try to take <laughs> over that show and make it more about me than him. So that'll be fun. You're the bride. That's right. He's the caterer. Right. Not about you, Jared, and your real birthday. No. It's about my half birthday. But uh, <laughs> yeah, every year he does a fun show where there's lots of like, visual comedy and some sketches. And this year, since he can't have it live, we're going to do it together. And I'm going to do a lot of music. And he's going to do some digital comedy. And it's going to be really fun. Fun. There's all kinds of stuff you can do. That'll be cool to watch. Yeah. All right, Kristen, I'm going to see what this email is that says important. It's probably not. I mean, you never know. You could extend your warranty. It could be about that. (laughs) Have you heard? you got to answer that email. It's important. Somebody please get these deals. That's right. (laughs) They need your help. Get them now. Someone's got to take advantage of that exclusive offer. If you don't, who will? Yeah, some riffraff. All right, Kristen, I hope you have a wonderful week and that you see a lot of kittens that you learn more about the Titanic. Me too. If all those things happen, it'll be a great week. It was a pleasure speaking with you. <laughs> you too, Kristen. Stay nice and cozy. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by The Storm, The Disturbed Triangle, and The Guy Serving the Chicken. Please hold for Season 3. Your reviews and shares are very important to us. We will be with you shortly. Mm-hmm.